0: You're listening to the Banner Church podcast. Thank you so much for listening. For more information, visit us online at thebannerchurch.com. Well, good morning, everyone. Excited that you're here this morning at Banner Church. Can we just do this together? Can we just give up a, just a shout of praise so that everybody watching online knows that you're here and that we are in this together, online or in person? Ready? One, two, three. There we go. If you're watching online, you're joining us at our online location, we're so excited that you are here with us. If you're here, I'm glad you're physically here with us as well. Um, I enjoy that. I was just watching my wife host thinking, thank you, Jesus, that I married up. My goodness. Um, <laughs> I was just like, man, I have a good-looking wife, and I was very, very thankful for that today. I don't know, just those moments, you know, there's just, there's heaviness in the world but I was just like, man, thank goodness that when I was 17, I made one of the best choices of my life. Kind of like a progression, there's like give my life to Jesus and, and serve him in ministry. And then it was date this girl. So I, I was very lucky because I was a dumb teenager. I made about two good decisions. That was one of the two. Uh, but yeah, single guys, if you're like, how do I get a really solid woman? Build a ministry, inv- invite people to gather together, and then spend a lot of time with them, right? Amen. Amen, yeah, like build it. Like invite them, bring them, and then gather them consistently. That's also gonna help build the church. So praise the Lord. It's gonna get you married. It's gonna grow the church, so you know. Let's work together. I scratch your back, you scratch mine. We get you married. Here we go. Anyways, uh, I, man, I I don't even know how to start this week's sermon if I'm gonna to be totally honest, and I've preached it already. Uh that just, that just is the state of my brain right now, and I've just been praying Holy Spirit. But I thought one of the best ways we could do that is to pray together, focus our minds as so we go through Scripture. So I'm going to invite you, I know you just sat, I'm just going to invite you to stand with me, because one of the best things we can do is pray Scripture together, and I think it would be very, be very honoring. Uh, If you're not comfortable with praying it, just just receive the words and and listen as we pray together. But we're going to pray this together, online or in person. There's a slide up, and you'll see that. And we're going to just pray through Matthew 6, 9 together, and we'll get the rhythm kind of as we go. You guys ready? Ready. Oh, are you sure? Are you guys ready? ready? Ready. Awesome. Awesome. Let's do this. Pray then like this. Our Father in heaven... Been, been praying through a lot of things as we're in our second week of our prayer series, and it's, a, I think, interesting, Jensen and I sat down last week and started writing the liturgy kind of prayer for this week, and then it was kind of like, thank you, Lord, that we did that, and I've been praying it basically all week <laughs> as a response to what's happening, and we'll have copies of it on the back, or you can go online to banner.church slash liturgies or slash Lord's Prayer, and really, I think it's a, a strong prayer that reflect, reflects scripture, and I'm going to explain it in a second, but... I've been been praying a lot of things, and I think it's just really important to say right off the beginning that you hear from me, your pastor, whether you're in person or online, you hear me say this, that we as Banner Church denounce racism. Like very clearly, no shadow of a doubt, that we denounce racism. We denounce treating people differently based off their skin color. We receive the truth that is from Jesus Christ that all people are created equal. And that he values and loves all people equally. And that the spirit of racism does not come from God. Is it a spirit of evil? And so as a church and as your pastor, I say very clearly that racism has no place in the kingdom of God. And therefore it has no place at Banner Church. And that we, it is my, my heart's desire uh, that we would do everything in our power to both vocalize And walk through implementing clear justice even in the broken world that we live in, and that we would advocate for justice. And I was very proud of those of you who I saw this week who are using your platform and using an opportunity to to share truth and to speak out against racism, to not just be not racist, but to be anti-racism and really to stand on those principles as a kingdom. And so I want to say that I thank you. And also for those of you uh, here or online, I want want you to know where we stand on this because it's important to me, that we are completely 100% anti-racism and we believe all people. Are created equal by God and that we never and will never treat you differently because your skin color your nation of origin whatever is different and it is my desire as someone who is a white male in America which feels like I kind of hit the the lottery genetically and globally if I'm be honest right Uh, I want to use every platform I have which happens to be this literal physical platform and a digital platform to say that we support justice for all people and to constantly say the conversation is open, and my, my phone and this church and my office is open to hear the cry of everyone's heart as they walk through this. And how we can support, and how we can encourage, and how we can cry with you, and how we can walk with you. And I think anybody that knows me in this church or knows that that's true and that I will not shy away from tough conversations or checking my own privilege or my own life or walking through those things. Because I really do believe this for the kingdom that when we say, Banner church. Banner church comes from Yahweh Nisi. The Lord is my banner. And it says in scripture in Isaiah, it says, from the root of Jesse, that is through Jesse, through the lineage of David, that's Jesus Christ, there will come a banner that will be lifted up so that all people will be gathered under him. And then Jesus, when he comes to fulfill that, he says, when I am lifted up, I will gather all people to myself. And then our mission statement that we put on the back of this church, you probably can't see it online, so I'll read it to you. says, so that all people can experience the freedom and the power of a new life in Christ. So it's important that you hear me say that we stand together, we mourn, we repent, we affirm, we support, all people, and we stand for justice as Christ does. The gospel is a gospel of justice. It's important, and I, I know I normally start with a with a funny story or anecdote, but I feel like this needs to be said because I feel like as I'm watching the news, even you know last night, you know they were um, there was destruction at uh, Fashion Square, and people were looting the cell phone kiosks, and it just feels like every time we turn around, there's just more chaos. It's like everyone stayed inside for a couple months because of a pandemic, and now everyone's outside, you know, trashing major cities, and there's violence, and there's there's so much racism. And it's not that it hasn't been there; it's just we have more video now, and and I think like the, the response that I've sensed from so many people is just kind of a a general heaviness, like like a weariness. You feel that? You feel that? And especially the people that I talk to that are that are facing racism, face-to-face, daily, just feeling a sense of weariness. And so I begin to cry out to God this week, God, how do we pray in the face of evil, in the face of racism, in the face uh, uh, of so much that's going on? We're like, how do we pray? Because because we are seeing all kinds of responses to this, right, to, to, to evil, to racism, to 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 being uh, isolated and isolation. I just was reading an article uh, that there have been as many suicide, attempted suicides in four weeks in Los Angeles County as there has been for the whole year normally in the same county, right, due to isolation, Right? I mean, there, there's so much. It's like, what do, what do we pray? Some people, they just want to, like, fall in a heap and like, a puddle on the ground. Some people are, lash out in anger because they feel unheard and abused and oppressed. And there's all these different responses that come from the flesh. But, but since we have received a love that is great and a spirit that is mighty and within us, how do we respond today? On the day of Pentecost, the day that we celebrate that the Holy Spirit descended and came and fulfilled the promise and the Comforter is here, dwelling within all believers. How do we pray in the face of evil given the truth that we have received? And I asked that question. And God just put the scripture that we're we're studying together in the back of my mind over and over. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I'm like, God, No, we we already did assurance or we already did a declaration that was last week. Like, we're on to assurance, and I just kept hearing, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And so I started to ask questions. God, what does this prayer have to do with what we are facing today? What does your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven? What kind of hope does that give us? What does that give us? What does that teach us? What are you trying to teach us? Remember, this whole series is to teach us how to pray. So what are you trying to teach us? And I feel like God gave this word that he had spoken even beginning when we planned this series, and he would spoken it the week before, but he re-kind of affirmed it in my heart, and it's the word assurance. Assurance. Everybody with me, whether you're in here or you're online, say the word Assurance. Come on say assurance. Assurance. Assurance is a deep peace and a consolation that comes from God, the confidence in God's ultimate power and authority. Assurance is not blind hope. It is confidence in what you know to be true even if you do not see it manifest in the world. Hebrews 11:1 says, "Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. See, assurance is grounded in the authority of God, both in the past, in the present, and in the future. Assurance. Jesus knew, like all of us, that his disciples would face persecution. And I'm talking like, not like, can't go outside, which is you know, has its own limiting elements. And I'm not saying, like, business is shutting down, which is devastating and and brutal. And I'm not saying, um, you know, someone burning something or this building even. I'm saying he knew they would be cut in half, speared, drugged behind horses, like brutality to them. And so when he taught them to pray, he built in this assurance because how do you pray when you're facing evil? How do you pray when you're facing that kind of evil that would come against you? You pray a prayer of Assurance. He taught them to pray, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. When we pray that, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. When we pray that in the face of evil, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We have assurance that heaven has come to set us free. Heaven now dwells with us. And heaven is coming again to fulfill complete and total justice. We have a threefold assurance. In this tiny little line, there is a threefold assurance assurance for what we have received, assurance for what we have now and are walking in, and assurance for what is to come. So, though I turn on the news or I'm scrolling Instagram and it's just so overwhelming, or you're facing something physically, personally, in your family, in your life, in your business, and it's so overwhelming, how do I even begin to pray? We have a threefold assurance, and this is how He taught us to pray. So I want to teach it to you. Are you willing to receive it today? Are you ready? All right, I'm going to teach you three assurances that we pray. First one comes out of your kingdom come, your kingdom come, your kingdom come. What does that mean? Your kingdom come. Well, God's kingdom is not just a nation on the earth, right? It's not like Costa Rica, and then just south of it is the kingdom of heaven, which sounds pretty nice, honestly. <laughs> If it was there, we should all, we all go take a trip, go on the beach, just relax for a little bit. But the kingdom is not only a physical place, and there's kingdom mentality attached to, to Israel and Jerusalem and, and these kind of things. But uh, the kingdom is not just a physical place in heaven or a spiritual, a spiritually physical in the sense that it is, it is in a spiritual realm, but it is a place, heaven. But it is also a state of reigning and authority of God. Follow this. This is important. It's not just a, a physical place. Heaven is a physical place. I, I mean, let me rephrase that. Heaven is a place within the spiritual realm. Let me make sure I'm so specific. So next time you're not in, you're in a plane, you don't think, is that heaven? Pastor said it was a physical place. <laughs> Those clouds are really glowing over there. Nope. <laughs> it is a spiritual place, where. but it is a place. Okay. But it is also a reigning, a rule and reign and authority of Christ. So when heaven touches earth, his rule, his reign, his authority touch earth. Right? His presence touches earth. Uh, Heaven touches earth in different ways. Like visions. That would be like a little way heaven touches earth. Angels. Right? That is something profoundly spiritual that is intersecting a a physical. Right? Uh, Heaven touching earth. But the biggest ways of heaven touching earth is Jesus Christ, the Son of God coming to earth, that's a big one. The Holy Spirit descending on Pentecost and filling the believers and all believers and being with them, that's a big one. And then also the second coming of Christ, right, like that's a big one. Like when Christ comes again and the kingdom of heaven in a more physical sense is here on earth, profoundly spiritual, intersecting the physical. Heaven, supernatural, supernatural. Touching the natural. Are you with me? Now, that in itself is like a whole sermon series. So <laughs> I don't want you to get hung up because I can't say everything about and explaining this because it's a it's a big thing. But just to get this understanding of how the kingdom of God comes, the coming of the kingdom of God. So when we pray your kingdom come, we're, we're praying a different, couple different things, and that's just to say this. Assurance one is Jesus came to bring salvation and reign over the hearts of man, not Men as in, you know, men and women, man as in mankind. Important. I'm working with the terms that society's given us, okay? Man. Jesus came to bring salvation and reign over the hearts of man. When you pray your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, we are remembering the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ and asking that he would reign over the hearts of every person, that he would sit on the throne of the heart of every person. The fulfillment of the gospel is the coming of the kingdom of God. Let me explain. John announced the coming of Jesus, Matthew 3. He said, "In those days John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea, Judea, sorry. Repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand." Mark 1:14. Now John was arrested. Jesus came into Galilee proclaiming the gospel and saying, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. Then the Lord's Supper, this is Jesus in Luke 22, verse 18. For I tell you that from now on I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. Okay, is he talking about the end times? when The the kingdom of God, the second coming. Is that what he's talking about? Like Jesus isn't going to drink wine until the end of the earth. No, because Jesus is, he's using the kingdom of God is at hand, the kingdom of God is at hand, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. He's using that as a term to really talk about the fulfillment of the gospel, because he is God, and he has come as heaven-touching earth to fulfill the, the old covenant, to bring a new covenant of his blood to cover us. Are you with me? That Literally, that is heaven-touching earth. When he says in his ministry, all the time, the kingdom of God is like, the kingdom of God is like, he's not talking about as we would think a nation or like Rome or we would think Babylon or these places. saying the kingdom of God, the character, the authority, the rule and reign of Christ over every life is like this. Therefore, it will produce these things within you. When Jesus reigns in your heart, it will produce his character. Are you with me? When Jesus reigns over your life, it will produce the qualities and virtue of his character. This is why where Jesus reigns, racism does not reign. If he really reigns, if he reigns over your heart, how could racism also reign in your heart? They are incompatible. Because Jesus Christ loves and values all people. And he prays in the garden, God help them to see that you love them as you love me. He did not specify a certain group of people. He just said God help them to see. And so... When we pray your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as in, as in heaven, we pray, Jesus, would you reign in the heart of every person Would as they are awakened to the reality of the hope, right? I mean, think about this, that Jesus came to die for a debt that we could not pay, to go to a cross that we could not bear, to go to a grave that we could not defeat, to rise again and do a resurrection that we could not achieve. And then he gives all of it to us. Every part, every person, every single one. And we pray, Jesus, in light of that, would you reign not only in my life, but in the lives of other people. What would it look like in this nation, in this city, if Jesus Christ was on the throne of our heart? What would it look like? How do we treat people? Jesus, would you reign over every? Life. Where his kingdom reigns, so does his integrity. Where his kingdom reigns, so does his love. Where his kingdom reigns, so does his passion and care and compassion and justice and truth. That's not to say if you sin this week, God doesn't reign over your life and therefore you should be terrified because you're like two steps from the fiery furnace. That's not what it's saying. God understands our brokenness and has given infinite, he's given mercy to all of us. Praise the Lord. Amen. But it is to say, who do you intend to have sit on the throne of your life? And that first assurance we get is, God, you have come and therefore you dwell on the throne of my life. Therefore, God, would you dictate and guide by your will my character and my virtue and my attitude and how I respond and how I treat others and how I walk this life with integrity on the road of sanctification. And God, would you also reign in the hearts of others? Why are we constantly so shocked by human evil when God is not on the throne of their heart? What, what do you What do you think is going to happen? Like collectively, we're just constantly shocked. Like I I can't believe it. I'm reading a book about the Holocaust right now, from the perspective of somebody a psy, psychologist who was walk who was in a camp. And one of the things they talk about is just like eventually they just became unsurprised by the scope of human evil. Yeah, because. 2020 has done the amazing job of ripping down the veil and the lie that people are just inherently good. We're just inherently good. Well, history would tell us that that's not true. People are just inherently peaceful. They want to get together. Races, tribes, nations. Maybe we came from a different planet. On this planet, that's never been true. (laughs) We got four people deep and someone killed somebody. We should all be brothers. Well, that didn't work out for the first two brothers on earth. (laughs) Right? People are not inherently loving and gracious and kind. Children are innocent, and in innocent they're gracious and kind, but people are inherently evil. And the more we get adept at being individual and being ourselves and sitting on our throne, the better we get at being evil. And so when we pray, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, we pray, Jesus, would you reign on the hearts of every man? Would you produce within every man, woman, and child the nature and character of your kingdom? Are you with me? Jesus, we remember your resurrection reign in our lives. If you've declared who he is and you're looking for something, God, how do I respond in light of suffering? I would say start with that. Number one, God, would you reign in our hearts? May your kingdom be evident in our lives. The second assurance that I believe we get, and I'm thankful that it's Pentecost, is that the Holy Spirit came on Pentecost to dwell within us, producing the fruit of the kingdom. So important. The Holy Spirit came on Pentecost to dwell within us, producing the fruit of the kingdom. Now, you and I in this room, we might disagree on how the Holy Spirit operates now. I just go off what the Bible says and unless the Bible tells me something stops, I just believe it still continues. So that's where I'm at. And you might have seen different expressions of its use. But the reality is that the Holy Spirit came on Pentecost to dwell within you. And that should assure you. In the light, in the light, of, in light of suffering, in light of pain. When Jesus ascended to heaven, he didn't, like, he didn't be like, all right, guys. I'm going to send, good luck, like, I'll see you guys later, like, don't mess up too bad before I come back, or, you know, hell, <laughs> right, like, he didn't just ascend, like, I oh, will see what you do, and I know it's not going to be anything good, because, you know, the whole Old Testament kind of says it won't, he, when he ascended, he promised us something special, I want to read it to you, John 14, 16, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. Even the Spirit of truth, from whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees Him nor knows Him. You know Him, for He dwells with you and will be in you. Acts 1 4 says this And while staying with them, Jesus staying with them, He ordered them, His disciples and followers, not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which He said, You heard from me, for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit many days from now. And He said to them, is it not for you to know times or seasons that the Father is fixed on his own authority, but you will receive the power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witness in Jerusalem in all Judea and Samaria to the end of the earth? Belie- believers take this. Disciples take this, and they go in the upper room. They take this promise that God has given them. And what do you think they prayed? I, I, I think... It's likely one of the things they prayed is, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Hey, what are we supposed to pray now that we're in the upper room? Hey, what about that nifty prayer that Jesus taught us? We should maybe pray some of that. And so they probably prayed, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And here's what happens. Acts 2, verse 1. If you brought your Bible, you can crack open and just read with me. Acts chapter 2, verse 1. I'm going to read it. When the day of Pentecost arrived, so there was the Jewish feast of weeks, and there's the day of Pentecost. On this day, they were gathered in Jerusalem. It says, when they were all together in one place, and suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house that they were sitting. And divided tongues as a fire appeared on them and rested on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now, there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. And at the sound, the multitude came together, and they were bewildered, because each one was hearing them, the disciples, speak in his own language, meaning the people listening from all over. Here's where they were from. It says, They were amazed and astonished, saying, Are not all these who are speaking Galileans? How is it that we hear each one of us in his own native language? Parthians and Medes, Elamites, the residents of Mesopotamia, Judah, and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia, of Egypt and parts of Libya belonging to Cyrene, and vid- visitors from Rome, <sighs> both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabians. We hear them telling in our own tongues the mighty works of God. So not just what they're that they're talking, that's what they're saying right there, the mighty works of God. And all were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, what does this mean? But others mocked them, saying they are filled with new wine. Your translation might say, they are drunk. Which is, I think, one of my favorite verses in Scripture. (laughs) Imagine seeing this mighty move of God and being like, man, these people are wasted. (laughs) Which kind of puts the whole, like, well, you know, they weren't speaking in spiritual language. They were speaking in a language. And I would say, well, travel to a country where they don't speak your language and then let someone speak English to you, and the likelihood you go, God, they're so wasted, is not. that's not going to happen. You're going to be like, oh, sweet, you're speaking English. Like, you can recognize your own language and a drunk person, right? Like, we could all differentiate that. Gosh, I would hope so. Maybe I've just heard more drunk people than you, but I've heard a lot of drunk people. And I'll tell you what, I've never heard one and be like, wow, that is the gospel. Praise the Lord. Praise him. (laughs) I don't know what they're selling, but I'm on it. Let's do it. I'm going to throw away all my family history and social ties to follow that drunk guy for whatever he's saying. And his other 12 crazy friends that emerged from this mighty wind room, praise the Lord, right? (laughs) Obviously, there was a supernatural thing happening where the disciples were speaking a the language they did not understand, and people were receiving. I, I don't, I don't want to fight you on this. All I know is that when the Holy Spirit moves, that we're told in Scripture that he gives these tongues and utterance. And tell, I'll tell you what was really the move of the Holy Spirit, and here was the gift, evangelism. Thousands of people came to know the Lord. Thousands of people. Thousands of people who were coming from all over, who were oppressed, who were marginalized who are probably feeling hopeless, who are crying out, who are believing for more. Pentecost is the day when the kingdom of God, when heaven touched earth and the Holy Spirit fulfilled the promise that Jesus gave and filled his people. The kingdom of God did not just come to reign over our hearts, but to dwell within them and to work through them. I think this is powerful for us. us. Did you know that, that the Comforter, the Holy Spirit, came to dwell within you, within you? That's crazy, right? Like, am I, that's amazing. And I know sometimes maybe because uh, the Holy Spirit and the gifts of the Spirit have been abused, it's like so hard. You know, but just because you've seen someone drive a stick shift wrong or crash a car doesn't mean they don't exist and they can't be done right. Like the gifts the Holy Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit, it's all good from the kingdom when it's not abused. But you can abuse lots of good things. There's some things I really love that are, can also be really abused. But the Holy Spirit is a gift to indwell within us and produce through us not only the gifts of the Spirit as he wills, but the fruit of the kingdom. What are the gifts of the spirit? If if you don't know or, or, or I just want to remind you, here are the gifts of the spirit as told to us in scripture. 1 Corinthians 12:8 says this, "For to one is given through the spirit the utterance of wisdom, and another the utterance of knowledge according to the same spirit." to another faith by the same spirit, and another gifts of healing by one spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another the ability to distinguish between spirits, to another various kinds of tongues, and to another the interpretation of tongues. And all these are empowered by one and the same spirit who apportions them to each one individually as he wills. Your kingdom come, your will be done. Who, who apportions the gifts? Me? Me? My former youth pastor? Nope. The Holy Spirit. He apportions as he wills. In 1 Corinthians 12, 27, if we keep going, it says, Now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. And God has appointed in the church first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing, helping, administrating in various kinds of tongues. Look at that. that that's important, too. Then miracles, then gifts of healing, helping, administrating in various kinds of tongues. Can I just say, I'm going to stop. Praise the Lord for those of you who are supernaturally gifted with with the gift from the Holy Spirit of administration. I'm so thankful for you. Can we just thank, thank all the administrative people right now who have a supernatural gift of helping? Thank you that you have a gift that overflows, that other people turn away, you turn in, and you help. Like, you're like, people are like, how do you do that? you like, I don't know. It's because the Holy Spirit is within you and is working through you. And I know prophecy and tongues get the, get the platform time, so to speak, but I'm very thankful for those who are moved by the Holy Spirit and helping and administrative. I'm very thankful for those who go into hospitals and pray healing. I'm very thankful for that because that is the fullness as he apportions it according to his will that we've received. Anyways, I'm sorry. Our apostles, Are all prophets, Are all teachers, do all work miracles, do all possess the gift of healing, do all speak in tongues, do all interpret, but earnestly desire the higher gifts. And I will show you a more excellent way. What's amazing is we've all been given, those who choose to follow Christ, you've been given freedom through Christ's death and resurrection. And you have been given power... Through the Holy Spirit, our mission so that all people can experience the freedom, Christ's death, death and resurrection, and the power through the indwelling of the Holy Spirit of a new life in Christ. That is part of what you have been given. Every person, every race, every tongue, you have been given freedom and power through a new life in Christ. And it's not just the gifts; it's the fruit. Because if you just can, if you just are in the gifts, but you don't eat the fruit, you're going to starve to death spiritually. Have you ever seen somebody work in the gifts but manifest none of the fruit? And you're like, man, they just withered away to nothing spiritually. It can happen. Here's the fruit, Galatians 5.22. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. When we pray, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We pray, Holy Spirit, fill us and overflow out of us. For those of you who have never prayed that, Holy Spirit, I pray that you would fill me. I choose to follow you, Jesus, and now, Holy Spirit, like never before, I pray that you would dwell within me and make your residence in my heart. Fill me so that you might flow out of me, not only in the gifts but in the fruit. For those of you who have received that, you might need to pray, Holy Spirit, would you renew me? Would you awaken within me a reminder to the ever-present reality of you? Because I've forgotten, and other things have kind of taken. Would you awaken me to the reality of your presence within me? See, in face of evil, we get assurance through the Holy Spirit because of this. Our nation needs to be healed. Where does healing come from? That's a gift to the Spirit. You're telling me that you can heal a nation with a bedrock of racism and slavery by what, like another talk show? No. How does it get healed? By the Holy Spirit. By an awakening. How has the nation been healed in the past? By the great awakening. You know why they called it the great awakening? Because there was a great awakening. (laughs) What did they awaken to? The Holy Spirit who heals. That's why in our Hope and Healing series, we said there is hope for every future, and healing for every past. Who's past? All of our past together. Those under racism, those under slavery, and those who benefited from its institution. There is hope and healing. Healing, that's a gift. Okay, how do we have peace? Because I guarantee you, it's, it's going to be difficult to land on this one as a culture. Like, okay, well, this is peace, this is peace. Let me tell you how we have peace. Peace is a fruit of the spirit that is produced through an indwelling of the Holy Spirit. You know how you have peace in the face of evil? Is that the Holy Spirit dwells within you and produces a supernatural peace within you that supersedes your national, your personal, your relational peace, that covers it, that overwhelms it, that heals the hearts and minds of people in this nation who are so diametrically opposed and have been drifting farther and farther that it seems unlikely they're going to meet at the same table except by the fruit of the Spirit that is manifest by an indwelling of the spirit you see how they're both important the gifts and the fruit they work together you must have healing you must have peace you must have gifts you must have the fruit they are important we cannot neglect either and on pentecost sunday we say holy spirit would you move again in the gifts and the fruit would you manifest a greater expression of your presence than we ever seen before people like to argue with me like well the holy spirit's already with us we need to pray for more i'm like you know what the world sucks let's pray for more of the holy spirit Like if you want to argue me on the the tiny bits, then I have a couple neighborhoods I'm going to send you to. You can go wander around and tell me if you feel comfortable with how things are. And then you need to get down on your face and you need to pray, Holy Spirit, help us mighty God, that they would stop killing young black men in the streets for the color of their skin. You're like, well, I don't know if it manifests here. I don't care. Healing. I don't care. Power. I don't care. Unity. That's what we need. We need Jesus to be Jesus in the church. The Holy Spirit to be Holy Spirit in the church. And we need the church to be Jesus in the streets. It's time. It's time to be filled with the Holy Spirit, to pray that assurance, God, there is nothing on this earth that will remove racism. It hasn't worked since the beginning of history. Nothing. You, I don't care. You can put your hope in whatever you want, capitalism, socialism. You can put it in different nations, different places. and Nothing has removed it except Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ. By the power of the Holy Spirit that is indwelt within us. If we want to be healed, then it's a gift. If we want peace, then it's a fruit. It's time to move in both. And if you have not received that or you have not had the confidence to walk in it, then, man, today is an awesome day to pray that over your life. Because we're told in Scripture, if your earthly father who is evil will give good things, how much more will your heavenly father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask He wants to give it this morning. I believe that. Third thing, band can come up. Is that I know that, and the church has known, that even when it was the place that flowed out of the Holy Spirit, guess what still happened? Persecution. Persecution. I I think about that. Because I I like to study, when I was in college, um, my degree was in ethical philosophy. I so I've studied a lot of things that has ha- have happened in this world that have violated ethics. And uh, there's a lot. And so the question is, what do we pray in light of non-present ju- justice? Like, do you think that there is a, do you think there, there was an arrest and, you know, there's all these things. And do you think the, the arrest and prosecution of, of a person is going to somehow feel like, okay, yeah, now we have justice. You feel like that? Feel like the nation's gonna be like, all right, cool, now let's come together, great. No. Why? Because earthly justice, just it doesn't seem to lock in. Now, that doesn't mean that we stop advocating, fighting, believing for justice, right? You're like, Pastor, this seems like you're getting political. Well, Jesus was political. You're like, no, he wasn't. Like, oh, okay. <laughs> Jesus. I'm trying, I said it really aggressively in first service, but I'm trying to keep it really tame for second service. Um, you know, <laughs> I don't want to get in trouble in two services. Nah, um, whatever. I'll just be blunt because we, whatever. I'm not going to save myself the comfort of not saying this. Jesus was vehemently anti-racism, nationalism, things that divided people. Very anti-it. In fact, he was followed by a zealot who was, that would be a very nationalist person, a a zealot. And he was very strong in the way he taught and led. He did not demean. He did not destroy, but he very abundantly taught. And people say, well, you know, the church shouldn't be political. If you honestly think the things that Jesus said, the things that inevitably got him killed, the things that inevitably so infuriated the local jurisdiction and federal law that they crucified him in one of the most brutal ways possible, if you think those things are not are, are, are apolitical or non-political, you gotta go back and read them. Because the things that Jesus said are absolutely astonishing. Now he he wasn't like fight the power and you know do these things. He but he very clearly preached principles that went against what his political system preached. And turns out they didn't like that. Because the principles of the kingdom of God supersede the laws of man, things about life things about truth, things about dignity, things about equality. They supersede it. And so when you preach the gospel of Jesus Christ in the fullness of what it is, well, it's gonna affect your politics, or it should. And I'm not here to say red, blue, whatever, you know, old white guys running for what. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about justice and truth. And that's expressed in a lot of different ways, but it's very, very, very important that we understand Jesus expressed truth about justice, the gospel. I've seen people say to some worship people I follow, just sing the songs. They're like, what? The gospel is nothing without justice. This is the third point. This is why it's important. The third assurance we have is the second coming of Jesus, bringing about perfect justice. It's important. The justice of the world will not be enough. It never is. But God brings perfect justice. When we pray, your kingdom come, your will be done. We're remembering the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. We're standing, being filled with the Holy Spirit, and believing it manifests, but we're also looking ahead to the second coming of Christ. That's why communion is so awesome, because communion looks back at the sacrifice of Jesus. It looks now, as we are filled with the Holy Spirit, and functioning with Him and through Him, and it looks ahead to the second coming of Christ. And you're like, oh, man, it's one of those churches. No, I'm not here to talk about all the end day stuff. But but the end of the world where Christ comes back, that should give us assurance, not fear. When, when God comes to judge the earth and bring perfect justice, that should not, I mean, maybe a little bit of like awe and like reverent fear, but not like afraid fear. Because we're told that God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that through him, we would have the righteousness of God. So when Jesus, when God comes back to judge the earth, he does not see our sin and our unrighteousness. He sees what? The blood of Jesus. So don't like go home freaked out like, oh my gosh, if I, if I like curse in traffic and Jesus comes back immediately, like I'm getting put into God court. That's not what I'm saying. People think that. It's important that we break that lie. But I'm saying that God has come to bring perfect justice. Matthew 24:29. it says this. Immediately after the tribulation of those days, the sun will be darkened, the moon will not give its light, and the stars will fall from heaven, and the power of the heavens will be shaken. That's going to be wild. It says, then will appear in heaven the sign of the Son of Man, and then all the tribes of the earth will mourn, and they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. And he will send out his angels with a loud trumpet call, They will gather his elect from the four winds and from one end of heaven to the other. Matthew 25 says, When the Son of Man comes in glory all the angels with Him, then He will sit on His glorious throne. Why is the second coming uh, of Christ so important? It's because sin created a separation between us and God. Jesus came to restore the relationship, and God comes to restore the creation. He comes to restore the perfection. Acts 17.31 says, He has fixed a day on which He will judge the world in righteousness by a man whom He has appointed. And of this... He has given assurance to all by raising him from the dead. That's Jesus. You cannot believe in true social justice without believing in eternity. You can't believe in true, 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 true justice without really standing upon the assurance of the coming of Christ. In the face of evil we're crying out there must be justice and i agree there must be justice on this earth there, we must be a just society we must be just people who judge justly but there also must be a just judgment which covers what we cannot do and fulfills what we cannot fulfill you're telling me there's a physical justice for the holocaust on this earth like not a chance not a chance and I want, we, we've told, so distorted this term social justice that we can't even say it now. Or else like, oh yeah, liberal snowflake. Like, that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying real justice in our society must be achieved by the eternity that comes through Christ. And so that's not to freak us out. Like, turn or burn! But like, thank you, Jesus, that though we constantly miss the mark on justice, you will never miss. You will never misjudge. You will never have weak justice. You will never miss the mark on justice. You will never sin in justice. There will be justice. Revelation 21 verse 1 says this. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them and they will be his people. And God himself will be with them as their God. Verse 4. I love this verse. Praise you, Jesus. I thank you, God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. And death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, no crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away, and he who was seated on the throne said, behold, I am making all things new. We pray, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We're praying, God, we wait in eager anticipation for it to be in Scottsdale as it is in heaven. We wait in eager anticipation for it to be in the United States as it is in heaven, for it to be here. I don't know, whatever you want to call it, this neighborhood, South Scottsdale, whatever, old town. May it be right here with me in my life as it is in heaven. God, I eagerly anticipate the day when there will be no misjustice or judgment in this world, and all pain and all tears will be wiped away. Anyone else just long for that? Like, I just feel Paul, and he's like, I want to be in eternity, but I also know I have responsibility here. I just feel that this week. Like, God, I want your kingdom to come, but also wait because I want more people to know you. Like, I just feel that tension. Like, Holy Spirit, I watch the news. I'm like, Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit, fall. Holy Spirit, renew. Holy Spirit, refresh. Because though I anticipated, I'm like, God, there's more work to be done. There's more justice to be had. There's more unity to be built. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Jesus, would you reign in every life? Holy Spirit, would you descend, fall, fill every life? And God, would you come with your justice? And that's our prayer. May it be in Scottsdale as it is in heaven. All your character, your virtue, your quality, your love, your equality. May it be here in my life as it is in heaven. May my life reflect your kingdom. And that's what I want to pray for you today. I want to pray over you, and we're going to pray together. We're going to sing this song that we picked weeks ago. And, man, Alec, I just, I love that you picked this song, man. i just so thankful that you're full of the Holy Spirit. And that's really your anointing because it's just so spot on. We're going to sing it together. But I want to pray over you because I want to pray that the Holy Spirit would dwell within you and pour through you. And it might be in this city, in this nation, as it is in heaven, love, equality, truth, unity might pour through us and out of us this morning. That there might be healing, that there might be restoration, that there might be hope. So I'm going to invite you, would you stand with me this morning? Jensen and I wrote this liturgy for assurance on Pentecost, which is a a prayer. And I want to read it to you. And we have copies of this in the back. You can pick it up. Or they're online. I've been praying this a lot lately. And I know it's needed. I, I shared one this week. And I think it's been shared like 150 times on Facebook. I just think like we're so longing for prayer. This is not scripture. But it comes from scripture. And it's meant to guide us and teach us in prayer. So this is a gift for you. Not a, not a command. <laughs> but I want to read it over you. And then as we do, as we enter into a time. Here's, here's what I want to just encourage you. would be your prayer. As you pray to the Lord. Holy Spirit, would you fill me if you've never prayed that? then If you have, pray, Holy Spirit, would you renew me? And no matter what your first part is, the second part is the same. would you pour out of me into my world? Would you pour out of me? Where there is injustice, may I bring justice through you. Where there is racism and hate, may I sow love and truth and dignity and equality. But I want to pray this over you. Your kingdom come, your will be done. We are not blind to the hurt, pain, and groans of this world. In fact, we long for the day when faith, hope, and love rule over all, when swords are turned to plowsheds and enemies to friends. And even if we cannot see your kingdom fully at this time, we are reminded by the life death and resurrection of Jesus, that your kingdom is at hand. We are renewed by your Holy Spirit producing in us the fruits of your kingdom. May we be filled with your spirit. Let us overflow with your presence. Let it be evident in our lives that we recognize your kingdom create in us a new heart, O God, one where you reign with all authority and it is not our will but your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Holy Spirit, we pray, fill us, renew us, and pour from us. We commit these moments right now, whether we're in Scottsdale or we're online, we commit these moments to seeking you a filling or a renewal and we pray that you would pour out of us, that you would produce within us the fruit, that you would work through us in the gifts we give this time to you. We celebrate Pentecost, and we ask this morning, fill, renew, restore, pour out in Jesus' holy name.